Who or what inspires you? Once again, we know the answer to this. <laughs> Justin Ozuka inspires me, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't have too many like people that I can look to and be like, I'm inspired by you. Um, there's such a spiritual connection with Justin Ozuka that it kind of overshadows any particular person in my life, but there's definitely people in my life who I'm not going to name because I don't have their permission to, you know, to to post them or to blast them. But there are people in my life who are doing what they want to do and living their life and, and making it work in a creative way. They're playing music or they're creating art. They're, they're doing what their passion is and what they're good at. And they're able to make a way for themselves through that. And I find that very inspiring. And I want to be more like those people who are able to do that to, to take what's within them and put it out and have enough of a following and enough people who believe in them to say we're going to support you and have that be like the life they want to live so what does spirituality mean to you spirituality to me means being open to a world beyond your five senses it means being open to connection, open to things you don't understand, that you don't agree with, that you don't like, about what's going on around us that is influencing what's happening here on the 3D physical plane and saying, okay, I'm going to be open to that. I'm going to believe in that or um, think that there's a possibility that that is real and that exists and not dismiss it. It's different for everybody. For me personally, spirituality is saying there are things going on beyond what you can see. There are, there are processes happening. There's a symphony of fate and destiny and choices and free will that's all coming together to create this life that I'm living this time around. Because I do believe in reincarnation. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, spirituality is, is um, it's very personal, but also like universal. It's just like there's stuff going on that like we can't understand. We don't have the scientific instruments to measure. It's just like sh shit is there. And sometimes it's weird and you can't explain it and just like live your life. That's how I feel. Do you believe in giving people second chances and why? I don't like this question. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, oh, don't be sorry. I, I created the question. No, I didn't create the questions. I gave you the questions you um, to choose from and you chose this one. I did. Why? What you know, let's interview you. Why did you choose this question? <laughs> I Honestly, I just wanted to know what your thought was on it. I was kind of nitpicky with the questions. I I <laughs> picked some that I thought might be interesting to hear your answer. Can you ask? Can you ask it again? Okay. <laughs> I've been drinking a lot. <laughs> Do you believe in giving people second chances and why? So as we stated, I hold grudges. <laughs> there are only certain people I will give second chances, and it depends on how egregious 
the betrayal was or how egregious the slight was against me. There are certain deal breakers I have where there's just no coming back and it doesn't matter who it is. There's no coming back from that. And I may forgive you, but that doesn't mean I want you in my life. Like forgiveness and having someone in your life, not the same thing. You can forgive someone and be like, no, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Wish you the best, all the best, all my love, bon voyage. Just not this time. Um, again, I forgot the question. <laughs> Say it for a fourth time, will you? Do you believe in giving people second, second chances, chances and why? Oof, oof, oof. This is going to be broken up into so many parts. <laughs> chances are, if I give someone a second chance, it is because I didn't explain to them before they did whatever they did, that whatever they did was a deal breaker for me. And so they didn't have that information going forward. And it might be unfair to cut them off because for them, whatever they did is totally normal. It's how they grew up. It's whatever they, whatever toxic trait they learned from someone else. And they didn't know that they were dealing with someone who was like, oh no, we can't, we can't have that. <laughs> but if I warn you ahead of time that this particular thing is not tolerated in my house, and you bring it into my house, why would I give you a second chance? You knew, you knew beforehand, and then that means you did it on purpose. Then that means you knew what you shouldn't do and what you were testing my boundaries or something. Like, why would I give you another opportunity to do that? So, in in conclusion, um, <laughs> clearly you can see that. <laughs> and this is why I picked the question. Okay. Just letting you, yeah, it's just, mmm. The, the only way that you would have an opportunity to get a second chance is if I didn't tell you ahead of time how egregious I thought what you did was would be in the future. I didn't tell you it was a deal breaker. If you're an Aries and for whatever reason, Aries and Virgos just find each other and they want to, they want to make it work and they get past shit. And I don't know why. I don't know why because it doesn't happen with anyone else. I, as a Virgo, <clears throat> I don't get past shit with anyone except Aries. I just want to smooth it out and move on and that's it. But only Aries. <laughs> I can't do that with anyone else. <laughs> you're, you're not welcome to the party if you're not an Aries. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and just some people learned different shit over their lives, man. Like people like don't know some of the shit they do is toxic. They don't, they just don't know. And it's not fair to cut them off and, and punish them for doing what comes naturally to them. That's, yeah, those are my two reasons, Aries and uh, I didn't warn them. <laughs> what is your star sign and do you believe in astrology? My sun sign is Virgo. Um, I don't know the rest of my planets. I'm sure I could do that, but I'm a Virgo and I was always going to be a Virgo. I was born early. I was supposed to be born on September 12th. I came on August 30th. There is a book out there called The Secret Language of Birthdays. And for August 30th, it's like 50-50, kind of me, kind of not. September 12th, 100% me. So, and it's a whole two pages for every single birthday. So like, it is specific. And every person I've let read through my book has been like, holy shit, I'm very scared right now because <laughs> this is, this is way too accurate to just be chance. This is way too accurate to just be like, oh yeah, someone just like put some shit in a book and tried to sell it and it wasn't like, no, it's, it's real and it's crazy. But um, I do believe in astrology. I'm not one of those basic horoscope girls that reads the magazine and it's like, today, Tuesday, it's going to be bad because I'm a tourist. Like, I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is whenever people try to make fun of astrology girls, like that's a whole thing. It's like, oh, you know, those astrology girls, you go on a date and they're like, what's your sign? And it's like, get out. 
there are billions of people out there where like astrology is a part of their culture. Like in Southeast Asia, right? Like India and, and Pakistan, like the Vedic astrology is like a part of their culture. It's people go to astrologers to like find out who they should marry and when they should, like it's a whole part of their culture. So I just think it's really funny when people just dismiss something that is like ingrained in people's like religion and culture. I just find that hilarious. <clears throat> I'm a Virgo. I'm available <laughs> as of right now. <laughs> Aries need not apply. Sorry. Uh, we can be friends, but we can't be anything more than that. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Have you ever had an epiphany? And if so, what was it like for you? I have had an epi I've had several epiphanies. Generally speaking, they happened back when I was having like my spiritual awakening and channeling information that mostly I put in my book who am I what was it like it was like it felt it feels like anxiety it feels like you're just thinking all of these thoughts but you know they're not yours because it's information that you have no business knowing you you don't have experience it's just it's just information and knowledge that like isn't from your own experience and if you don't write it down, if you don't sit down and get it out onto your laptop or onto paper, it builds and it builds and it feels like it's going to, you're going to explode. So you have to get it out of you in order to like calm that down. But yeah, most of that stuff just became insights that I put in my book and that I'm continuing to put in the books that are coming in the future also. But there's, there's so many things, so many little things, just insights about life, about love, about relationships, about what's healthy, what's toxic, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah, it feels like anxiety. It's not fun, but like that's the sensation that I don't like, right? So for someone else, it might feel different because if if you're trying to get something out of you that you're supposed to do in your life, it'll be a sensation that motivates you to do it, right? Anxiety is what motivated me to do it. So that's what it felt like. I can't guarantee that other people will feel that if you're starting to channel from the spiritual realm or whatever. <laughs> Have you ever shoplifted anything? Damn, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that one. <laughs> Sorry. I... <laughs> Technically... I have, but not nearly as much as people thought I was going to shoplift because I for sure was followed in stores when I was a teenager, <laughs> for sure. And I had no plans to shoplift anything. Most of my white friends were the ones shoplifting, but but the people were following me. So my white friends could shoplift. <laughs> so, so you ended up fucking yourselves over <laughs> by being racist. <laughs> but no, I never like walked into a store where I was a customer and took something from that store. How do you feel about how females are depicted in movies and TV? Mm. First of all, there aren't enough roles for females in movies and TV. Nine out of 10 roles for movies and TV go to males. They are written for males and they are for males. So even the space, even even the the appreciation of writing roles that are for females to fill is way, way, way too low. With that being said, I think it's getting better. I think that the pendulum, unfortunately, has swung in a direction where instead of not having complex female leads and supporting roles in TV and film, where there's 
relatability, there's dynamic character growth, all that stuff that you see very regularly with male roles. Um, unfortunately, there's been this backlash where there's like a very strict, like, this is a female centric feminist movie. This is a, this is a film or TV show or a role where like, this is the feminist character who's going to show all the men how strong they are and how independent they are. And it's like, if you're, if you're writing a role with the intent of sending a message and not of building the character or building the show, then it becomes this weird, like, even people like me who are like, yay, feminism are like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like whoever wrote this, like didn't write a character. They wrote a, a, like a feminist manifesto and gave it a name it, and it's not entertaining. So I think that it's gotten a way, way better. I think representation has gotten so much better, but it still has a long way to go because they still think that no matter, once you once you give a character a uterus for some reason, it's like you have to fit them into some kind of box. And it's like, why can't we just write characters that are relatable and and complex and human? It's, it's like as soon as the character has boobs, it's like, okay, it's got to fit this role. It has to fit that, that role. Even if it's a feminist role, it's got to fit this feminist role. It has to, and it's still inside of a box and it's uncomfortable to watch in, in either direction. So I still think we have a long way to go with that. What is your definition of being a woman? Two definitions. The first definition is a, a societal <clears throat> definition. You are a woman if society at large sees you as a woman. Don't care what you were born as. Don't care what your chromosomes are. If society sees you as whatever, and every culture is different with what they define as womanhood, right? But if society looks at you from afar, you're walking down the street and someone's like, oh, there's a woman. You're a woman. It doesn't matter. I don't care whatever's going on under your clothes. You're a fucking woman, right? Because society is going to treat you like a woman at that point. They don't know all, they don't have to know all your stuff to treat you like a woman when they see you walking down the street. Personally, my definition of womanhood is really just, if you're a woman, you, you are just an adult, a mature person who thinks about the consequences of their actions before they take them, who thinks about how other people will respond and will feel about the things that they do and the way that they behave processes their emotions in a healthy way, um, expresses their emotions in a healthy way, is just an adult. That's all it basically is. A definition personally for a woman is just being a grown-up. Same thing for a man, just be a fucking grown-up. <laughs> all right. How do you feel about men being responsible for pushing a relationship forward? I think it's unfair but unfortunately, it's one of the few double standards that feels right for me, <laughs> even though that's not how I do things. I try to be the one to push a relationship forward, and it's never worked. So so it's it's one of those weird things that's like, it's, it's very sexist. It's very just, um, it's just a double standard, but... There's just something to it where the guy, and of course we're talking about heteronormative relationships here. Clearly, if two guys are in a relationship or two women are in a relationship, like this question doesn't make any sense. But 
if we're talking about heteronormative relationships, it's very much so ingrained that the male is the one to push things forward. The male is the one to hit on the woman. The male is the one to suggest being in a relationship. The male is the one to propose to the other person. And when it happens the other way around, there's this weird air of de desperation or of dominance. If the woman is the one to push things, if the woman is the one to propose to the man, it's there's just sort of like, oh, like, oh, so you've had to propose to him. He didn't want to marry you, you know, like <laughs> there's and it's not fair. But it's true. It's very, it's so ingrained in how we think that anytime I hear of a woman proposing to a man or it's like, why? <laughs> and it's not, it shouldn't be like that, but it is. Um, I think it's unfair. And I think that we don't give enough credence to how much, re how much rejection do we expect people to be able to take if the man is always the one to pursue things with the, with the woman? That means he's getting rejected a lot and like as a society we're just okay with that it's it's just very strange what do you think about men expressing their emotions Ooh, i find men who express their emotions in a healthy way very enticing and attractive i really am attracted to men who are able to be vulnerable like that in a healthy way however there is a point at which it turns into learned victimization, like learned victimhood, where it is very unattractive for a man to constantly be talking about everything in his life that's going wrong and how everybody around him has done him wrong and how everyone around him is bad. It's just like, mm, okay, sir, you, <laughs> you, there's definitely some choices you've been making in your life that has led you to the situation you're in right now. Like, let's talk about that. I think healthy, the operative word here is healthy. Men who express their emotions in a healthy way, like, oh my God, can we please have more of that? I need it, you know? <laughs> Men who express their emotions in an unhealthy way, whether it be aggression or learned victimhood, let's leave those on the outliers where they belong because I don't want them where I am. Who is your celebrity crush? My celebrity crush, um, it's not going to be who you think it is because if you watched enough of, the, enough of these, you're going to think it's just Inazuka and it's not. It's actually Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd is a vampire and looks exactly the way he did 20 years ago. <laughs> he has not aged a day. I don't know how. Like He must have a skin regimen because, oh my God, he's so gorgeous. And he's so nice. He's a nice guy. Like, no one ever has anything bad to say about Paul Rudd. And as I put on my Instagram earlier in this year, he's got a thick dumpy. <laughs> and Georgia likes the white boy with cake. Okay? Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> do you believe in soulmates? Yes, I believe in soulmates. However, not all soulmates are romantic soulmates. There are whole soul groups, there are soul generations, everyone who incarnates around the same time and experiences the world in the same time period were technically soulmates. And then the circles get closer together and tighter and tighter and tighter until you get, you know, the family soulmates and the romantic relationship soulmates and the friendship soulmates. Yes, we're all soulmates. Everyone who's incarnated together here at this time right now, we're all part of a soul group. Um, everyone who's incarnated and runs into each other in actual physical life are soulmates. And they all 
serve different purposes in your life. Some people are butterflies or angels and you learn something from them and you never see them again. Some of them stay in your life the entire time. Some of them are romantic partners. Some of them are your family. Some of them are your friends. Uh, so yes, I absolutely believe in soulmates and it's kind of my crutch. Once I, once I know that someone is a soulmate of mine in a, in a more direct way than just like incarnating together, but like there's past life stuff and reincarnation stuff and karma and all that stuff, it makes me want to dive into that relationship. But like you have to give the other person the free will to not do that if they don't want to and it's really hard for me to back off and be like okay i'm gonna let that person decide if they want to engage with me in this life or not it's like but we're so nice. we're supposed to be together right <laughs> okay um do you prefer making out or cuddling i prefer cuddling and it is because I've learned over the years how disgustingly dirty the human mouth is. It is a cesspool in there. And I generally have a hard time not thinking of that when my mouth is engaged with another person's mouth. It's just like, oh my God, we're just, there's so many germs and viruses. And also I don't have um, herpes simplex one, which causes cold sores. 80% of the population has it, but I don't, which means I'm at risk of getting it. And I don't want to get it. And I need to know. I always ask people like it before I share a drink. I'm like, um, do you have herpes or simplex one? Or have you ever had a cold sore? And it's always like a weird, like what? And it's like, listen, 80% of the world has it, but I don't want it. I don't have it and I don't want it. But yeah, I prefer cuddling because it's safer. <laughs> Okay. What does love mean to you? Ooh. Love to me, first and foremost, is respect. Love to me is more complex and deep than just romantic love. There's so many different kinds of love. Friendship, there's, um, you know, platonic, there's family love, there's romantic love. But generally speaking, as I said, it means respect. And it means being considerate of what the other person's needs are. It means being gentle while you're being honest. It means being honest also. Um, <laughs> please, please do that. <laughs> that part is also very important. It means um, not making assumptions about what the other person thinks or feels or what their intentions are, not making decisions for other people. It's allowing the other person to be who they are and express themselves freely and you do the same thing and hopefully you guys come together on that did you ever meet someone famous if so how did you act mm. i was hoping you would ask me this one mm. story time when i went to university of miami back in the day back in my day <laughs> a little artist who no one knew at the time because he hadn't come out with a single uh low should I get low, 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 <laughs> apple bottom jeans, that guy, Flo Rida. Nobody knew who he was. He walked up to me on the campus at University of Miami as I was getting into my car. And he said, do you listen to hip hop? I was like, yeah. He was like, here, here's my demo. I'm like, okay, thanks. And he walked away. <laughs> I'm like, who is this light-skinned, muscular man trying to talk to me over here? That was interesting. <laughs> I looked at it. I wasn't interested in it. Threw it in my car somewhere. And six months later, Lowe comes out. And I'm like, 
Florida, Florida. I've heard that name before. Where did I hear that name before? So I searched under the seats in my car, you know, where like there's a wormhole where like stuff just gets lost under there. <laughs> and I found it and I said, I met this dude. I met Florida. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> it was just very interesting. My life goes like that sometimes. So yeah, I've met someone famous before they were famous. The same thing. I didn't meet the Maroon 5 people, but I got their demos. It's weird. I got demos from these people before they were famous, like more than once. Isn't that weird? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you think you are a high-maintenance person? Okay, first of all, we have to acknowledge the cat this time. (laughs) We have to acknowledge that this cat is just whatever he wants. He's gonna be in this video. Yes. <laughs> he has. He's making himself rather rather cozy. <laughs> he watches his ears in the shot. <laughs> Just the ears. Just the ears. Oh my god, sir. <laughs> I forgot the question. What was it? <laughs> what was the question? Um, it was do you think you are a high maintenance oh. person? I don't think I'm a high-maintenance person, but I recognize that other people do think I'm a high-maintenance person. Usually guys. My friends don't think I'm high-maintenance. I'm very particular, but especially, like, I have, like, needs. I have, like, I'm in pain so much. I need to know where we're going. I need to know, like, if their seats have backs to the seats so I can take my back pillow and and with me and be comfortable. I I need to know things like that. Are we walking from where we are or are we going to go somewhere that's very close? I need to know those things. And for people in my age range, I'm getting a little bit up there now, so it's a little bit easier. But, like, when you're in your early 30s or late 20s, it's weird to, you know, to ask someone to consider all of these needs that they're not used to considering. So I think that some people think I'm high maintenance, but I don't think I am. I think I'm just, I, I just have certain needs that need to be met and I have questions that need to be answered. So I think unfairly, I think I'm considered high maintenance. What gets you excited or gives you energy? Music gets me excited and gives me energy, particularly really good lyrics. I like music, but because I can't make it, it's a different kind of excitement, but I can write lyrics really well. So when I hear lyrics that are like, oh my God, I love that. It's it's so deep and it's so interesting and I wish I could have written that myself. That gives me a lot of energy. What else gives me energy? Spiritual stuff gives me energy. Hearing things, the same thing about the same situation from multiple different people who don't know me <laughs> and don't know the situation and are just saying the same thing kind of gives me energy because it gives credence to that whole like other stuff is going on and people can tap into it, you know, and find out esoteric things. When you see your family, what do you do together? Oh, my family, we're all about games, game night, party, party, game night, food, getting together, celebrating, holidays, dressing up. All of that. We're all about fun and partying and like having a good time and laughing. Yeah. It's so important, especially in, especially in these after times. <laughs> in these post COVID times, it's very important to like have levity in your life. What is your Achilles heel? Ooh. Love. If I feel like there's potential for real deep 
soulmate, multiple lives, karma, destiny, kind of romantic love. There's a lot of things out there that I will, a lot of, a lot of things that I've built up that I will drop for that. And a lot of things I will let go that I would normally hold on to, especially when it comes to relationships with other people. Um, but yeah, I'll drop it if I'm like, oh, this is, this was meant to be, this is, this is supposed to happen. We're supposed to do this. So I'll be like, okay. <laughs> what is your favorite and least favorite emotion? My favorite emotion. Not sure. I think my favorite emotion is probably just excitement. I think that living with just the general air of depression at all times, except for when I'm manic or hypomanic, it just, it makes me overly sensitive to any kind of happiness, even if it's like not real happiness, even if it's just the hypomania, any kind of relief or reprieve from depression, I will just sink myself into. So excitement to me just alleviates all of the bullshit that comes with feeling depressed. My least favorite emotion is feeling helpless. I don't like feeling like not only is shit not going right, but I also can't make it better. There's nothing to do other than to be in this negative feeling and I can't get out of it.